I'm well, a fun you guy. You have fun when they finish below 500. I'm just Captain Fun. I guess. Or a captain suit, the show from now on. I don't like the half point. Well, that's called the hook. I don't like it. What the hook How do you get rid of it? Can you get rid of the hook? I'm going to have a coronary. I'm getting too old for this job, but you guys may have won. Upset. If you look back at where the term came from, it was from a horse race. Upset when did you turn a, into Cliff Clavin? I like this job. <laughs> I've had it for a long time, Paul. Last one this is in the chemistry lab. I'm on the verge of next year's Super Bowl. I can't Bowl. help what I think. Be honest, Paulie. You're not doing this for <laughs> other people's entertainment. You are truly enjoying this. This is Orange Nation. With Stephen Fonte and Paulie Sebelia. Good afternoon, everyone. Stephen Fonte, Paulie Sebelia with you up until 2 o'clock. Several guests lined up for you on the show today. Stephen Bailey, 1215, Syracuse football and basketball reporter for 24-7 Sports. Sean Belby from Bayheim's Army will join us coming up at 1230. He helped put the roster together. We've got Charlie Lockwood on the way at 1 o'clock, SU lacrosse legend, and then Macklin Robinson, a captain and a goalie for the Syracuse Pulse professional soccer team. He will join us at 1.30. Plus, we'll mix in your phone calls at any time, 315-437-7644. And speaking of soccer, uh, we've got Ian McIntyre set to join us uh, later today from 2 to 2.30 on another episode of Inside the Orange. You can watch that at Q Sports Talk. Com. How are you today, Paulie? I am great, Steve. I'm in a super mood. I'm really excited today because the New York About? State Fair announced uh, one of my favorite acts from the 80s is going to be uh, playing. Culture Club. Culture Club is coming. I'm super pumped for that. You know, I may not yeah. seem like the Culture Club guy, but loved it. Loved Culture Club when I was a younger kid. Uh, part of my 80s life. I love 80s music, and Culture Club is high up on my list as someone I'd like to see, so I'm in. I am in, Steve. We'll make Culture Excellent. Club the artist of the day. Artist of the day. Are, are there seven Culture Club Culture, hits yeah, that we can oh, play? How dare you? They had nine. Okay. They had 13 top 40 hits. Is that right? Six top 10 and uh, 13 top 20 hits. So, yes, yes, there's plenty. All right, know. so plenty to choose from. Yes. Okay. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. They don't just bring I, one I, hit I enjoy, wonders to the fair. I enjoy culture club. No, well, I know they're not a one-hit wonder. I just didn't know if we had seven songs I, to get you, to. You don't worry that. about me. I'll make it happen. All right. You got this. Um, so yesterday after we left the air, Syracuse University announced another uh, basketball opponent. Uh, Monmouth will come to the Dome on December 12th. So uh, the way it stands right now, they've got what, 10 non-conference opponents already locked in. Lehigh, Colgate, Bryant. There's Illinois in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They've got Oakland, Georgetown, Monmouth now, Cornell. And uh, let's not forget they're playing in the Empire Classic. That that uh, event includes Temple, St. John's, and Richmond. So they'll play uh, two of those opponents. Um, so that's 10 of the 11. What do we make of this schedule right now, Paulie? Certainly uh, not quite as difficult as last year. No, and I think that's good for a young team. Monmouth lost to to St. Peter's in their tournament, you know. St. Peter's was pretty good. They would have, you know, probably been the representative if they didn't run into that uh, buzzsaw at the end of the year. They're a good team. They're uh, coached by King Rice, and I don't know if you... King Rice a little older than us, Steve, but I remember going... Uh, actually, he may be around my age. I remember going to OCC... To watch him play Bishop Ludden. Like he was that big yeah. of news 
when King Rice yes. was playing. You know, I was at that game. I was so at that you game. You and I were in the um, same. That was place one of my first kids. memories of high school basketball. Was that game? Yeah, it, it was crazy. We, you know, everybody was going up. Like I remember, he came to town, and Conrad McCray came to town, and it, it was big news when when uh, King Rice was in town. Yeah, everybody wanted him. He ended up at uh, at North Carolina. He was he was one of the first big high school recruits that I can remember. Yeah, he and Bernard uh, what was that? were he big was, back then. Yeah, so he was eighty seven. He was an eighty seven grade. Yeah, so that that's about right. I mean, I was 10, 11 years old when he was a senior, so that's that's about right. And you know, um, looking at the schedule, I think it's good for 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 the team they've got coming in. They got young kids that got to learn this this. Uh, this Wounded Warrior Project uh, Empire Classic is perfect, you know. I, if I'm booking that, it's Syracuse St. John's in the first game, two former league rivals, and uh, Richmond and Temple are playing in the first game because they're also former league rivals. And then Syracuse gets St. John's or either Richmond or Temple, all winnable games, all, you know, tough opponents though, but not, you know, not Baylor. Like they had to run into this year. Yeah, I think it's right. I think it's. I think it, this schedule is coming along. You know, it may not be flashy, but for what they've got, this is good. They're doing a good job. Yeah, and it. you you talk about playing mid majors, and you know they they've got some some good mid majors on their schedule. Games they should win, but games that aren't going to hurt their strength right. of schedule. Right. I mean, you know, Bryant is a team that went to the NCAA tournament a year ago. Colgate's a team that went to the NCAA tournament a year ago. Uh, you mentioned Monmouth won over 20 games last year. Um, you know, those are opponents that aren't going to hurt you. And it, I mean, you got to win the games and, and I think you're expected to win the games, but they're not going to hurt you from a strength of schedule standpoint. Um, and so I, I think they serve a, a dual purpose. Obviously, Illinois was assigned to them in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That's going to be an awfully difficult game on the road, but you, you want to test yourself in the non-conference. You just don't want to test yourself too much. You want to make sure that you know you are able to, to handle your schedule. And we know that they are going to rely on a lot of freshmen uh, going into next season. And so, especially early in the year, you want to make sure those freshmen can handle the schedule. So I, I'm with you. I think it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a balanced schedule. It's a fair schedule. And I, I think it's a, a good schedule for what this team is right now. Yeah, and you know, to the lay person, like to a person that doesn't pay attention to college basketball, these names aren't exactly, you know, selling tickets to those people. But for a young team, these are opponents that are good enough to beat you, but you should beat, right? You know, you they're a challenge, but they're all winnable. And uh, winning is important the last time I checked because we learned last year. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of important to win games. It is. And again, you want to make sure that your schedule matches up with the kind of team that you're going to have. And, you know, last year's team obviously did not get off to a good start. And and you want to make sure that this group, especially given, you know, how many new faces they're going to have in the program, you want to set them up for success. And I do think that this schedule, and again, they're going to challenge themselves uh, here and there, but I, I think this schedule sets them up for success and, and gets them ready for, for conference play, which is what you know, certainly matters matters most. Right, and none of these are quad four games, really, are they? You know, no, they're they're probably three and twos. Well, that's that's the hope. You yeah. know, that's the hope. Um, it, you know, and, and I think that's why you schedule the Colgates and the Bryants and Monmouth and and again, they're mid majors, but they're 
better than average mid-majors. And, and that's, that's what I was saying at the top of the show, that they're, they're not going to hurt your strength of schedule. Um, you know, Cornell is a team that, you know, is probably going to have a, a low uh, net ranking. Got to go out and take care of business. I mean, you could play a couple of those. You just don't want to play too many of them. That's going to, you yeah. know, suck down your strength of schedule. We, we've seen that happen to Syracuse before. We've seen it to happen to NC State, where the preseason schedule wasn't good enough to get you into the tournament, no matter how well you did in the in the ACC. You know, um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with it. I am a hundred percent fine with this schedule for this team. You know. And- they may add yeah, how many more games do they have to add in the non? So eleven non-conference. So they've got ten that are locked in right now. Um, so they they've got one more that they can add to the schedule. Yeah, I doubt it's. I wouldn't hold your breath that it's going to be some home and home with a with a big boy. But you know, we'll. See, you know, you could see. I'd like it to be. You know, have they announced? Is Cornell officially announced? I believe so. Or do we just assume that's there? So, but okay, so that's going to happen. And I'd like to see maybe the Bonnies rolling. I, I push for that game every year. I'd yeah, like Cornell's to... December 17th. That's okay. locked in. Okay. I'd December like, 17th. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate seeing the Bonnies roll into town. There, I said it. I know. You're, you're, you're all about that. I know you are. You wanted a, a Bonnies Syracuse NIT game yeah, last year. Yeah, because it's fun. Why not build a little rivalry in state? Why not? That's one year. of those games, though. Syracuse gains nothing from it, right? And and they can they have everything to lose and nothing to gain. Well, if, you, if you could say the same thing about any preseason game, really. You could say that about that whole Empire Classic they're playing in. There's no benefit to playing St. John's, right? Well, you're, no, there, I mean, there's benefit. You're but you're playing in New York City. Like there's there's a reason to play that that game. Um, you know, but you're like when you're looking at you're playing an old rival. schedule wise, if you lose to St. John's, it's like losing to Georgetown last year. You know, it's that. Yeah, that's fair. But again, you play in that tournament to get to New York City to reconnect with the fan base down there right. and and get your guys right, you know, get into a New York City. You play St. Bonaventure to sell tickets in the dome. Don't ever play them there. Just play it right, right here. <laughs> Unless it's in the NIT, yeah, right. which is what you were hoping for last year. I, I know that you you love this approach with the football scheduling, and we talked to, about that. You know, when the Penn State game was announced on the football side of things, that you you very much like this this model. I like of it for football, schedule. like, and I yeah. like it this year for basketball. Normally, basketball, I'd like to see more names because Syracuse can beat them in basketball, right? Yeah, this year we don't know what we're getting. You know, you got Joe Girard and and Jesse, Jesse Edwards, and then that's what you know. Samir back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Benny Williams. Neither one. Those but yeah, two. you're gonna have a lot of new faces. Sim- and, and you know what? In in some ways, Benny is a new face, right? Because right. he played, but he didn't he didn't have the kind of role that I think most expected. And I don't think he lived up to the expectations that he had set for himself. And so, in a, in a way, he's kind of a new player this year. You know, will will he be a new player? They need him to be a new player going hey, into this well, year. Samir's going to be a, need to be a new player this year too. He's going. He could potentially be the guy. You know, he could be the point guard at you know one of the best Maybe. programs. You know, Maybe. Like we only saw him. You know, we saw him start. You know, play one game really. A, you know, a full full game as the point guard. Last year, we saw him come in and be great in spots, but now it's his team. 
If he's well, the guy. I, I think you I think you know you got him. I don't know if it's if it's his team per se. Um, if he's you know, the Judah Mintz guard, might have something to say about that, but well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, go ahead. If he's oh. if he's the guy, it's going to be a whole different role for him. Yeah. Well, no. Yes. Yes. And and Joe Girard is going to take on. Again, I think we assume Joe Girard is going to take on a different he's role. A, we, we assume he's he playing more in the shooting doing. guard. No, I know he knows what he's doing, I'm but I'm saying, you know, I'm not saying I'm worried about him. I'm saying, you know, Joe is going to potentially take on a new role this year instead of being the point guard, you know, being a, a, a shooting guard playing off the ball. And we saw that, you know, some things looked differently when he was off the ball last year. And in, and in some ways, you know, things were better when he was off the ball last year. And I think we saw that. And Jesse Edwards was starting to come on before he got hurt and was having a really good year. So, um, you know, it, it there is a lot of change, which I, I think goes back to you know why this schedule is the way that it is. It allows them a, a chance to to ramp up and and get ready for for what really matters. I mean the the Illinois game is what November 29th, and that uh, the Empire Classic is right around that same time, is it not? Twenty first and twenty second, Monday and Tuesday yeah. in New York. So yeah, it's right around that time. Yeah, so it's it's right around that time. So you know they're going to have almost a month. To get ready for you know their their biggest challenges in the non conference. I love um, Central New York. We are just sitting here breaking down Syracuse basketball's preseason schedule in the middle of June, end of June. Love it. We could potentially right, well, not have uh, anything else to talk about, but Monmouth, <laughs> Monmouth. We saw our uh, Monmouth is on the schedule. Look at that. We could talk for 15, 20 minutes about Monmouth tomorrow, Steve. That's a great thing to have this is a basketball town it is it is and again we're going to talk more basketball coming up at 12 30 we've got sean belby from bayheim's army set to join us uh, but next we're going to switch gears we're going to talk football scheduling the uh the 355 has been adopted as we've been talking about the last several days we've got stephen bailey football and basketball reporter for 24 7 sports he'll join us next on espn radio Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Orange Nation is back. It's Paulie. It's Steve. The Artist of the Day Culture Club, as they have been announced, they are playing a Chevy Court or well, Chevy, one of the Chevys, uh, whatever it is. I'm sold. I don't know what, what the hell the stages are called anymore at the fair, but this is It's a Miracle. Hit number 13 on the Billboard charts in 1984, Steve. This one's a little before my time, Paulie. I think they all are, but 13. 1984. There you go. It's a miracle. They had a right. lot of They were hit machines in the 80s. Yes, they were. Uh, let's go to our guest line. It's going to be an easy next hour for you, Paulie. We got uh, three guests lined yes. up uh, over the course of the next hour. Culture Club songs. You can just play DJ for the next uh, 45 <laughs> minutes. We go to our guest line to bring out our first guest today. Uh, he covers Syracuse football and basketball for 24-7 sports. Stephen Bailey, our guest on the show. Stephen, always great to, to catch up with you. How are you today? Yeah, yeah. Good to check, guys. I'm, I'm doing well. Enjoying a beautiful day and learning a little bit about 80s music, apparently. Yeah, well, that, the, our show is good for that, especially with with Paulie at the controls. Um, Culture Club had how many top twenty hits, Paulie? Thirteen. Uh, yes, Steve, they did. They had uh, thirteen top twenty hits. Y- yes. Had you ever heard I've of Culture heard Club, Steve? I've never okay. heard of them. 
I was born in 92, right. so I'd like to think that's you, part of you it. Would, you would know Karma Chameleon, Do You Want to Hurt Me. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay, I'll I know that. For yep. you. Yeah, you'll know that stuff. Yeah, see, I, I'm with Steven, and those are the ones I, I didn't realize they had 13 top yeah, 20 work, hits. I, as, I know like three or four. I work my way up the Billboard chart as, gotcha. we, as we go. Gotcha. So you guys will know the bigger right. hits as we get later into the show. Before we switch over to, to Syracuse football, have you guys ever heard of Hurdle? It's like the audio Wordle. So every every day, if you go to Hurdle.com, they'll put a different song, and you can listen to like one second, and you, you guess you can skip to like three seconds, six no, well, whatever. It gets up to like thirty seconds. You're gonna love it. I'm so already. I've never heard. I was yeah, gonna say. Now I know what Paulie's gonna be doing during the show. Anytime <laughs> we have an interview, I know. I know what what you're gonna be doing, Paulie. Yeah, Wordle's a thing of the past. It's all about hurdle, man. All right. I like it. I appreciate that. Um, all right, Steven. So let's talk some football. Obviously, the big news this week, the ACC adopting this new 3-5-5 scheduling model. We figured it was just a matter of time, uh, but they have adopted it. It goes into place uh, for the 2023 season. Um, wh- what do you think about this scheduling model, I guess, first and foremost? The way that it's laid out, you know, the way John Wildhack explains it, it sounds like it's a win-win for everybody involved, you know, fans, the team, the conference, the student-athletes. What's your take on this new scheduling model? Yeah, that's that's generally where I fall. I mean, on a given year, it could be better or worse for a team, but I, I think all in all, it makes sense for for everybody. I mean, if you're a player, you know, you get to if you're if you're somewhere for four years, which obviously fewer and fewer players are, but you get to play every team twice. You get to play them home away. Um, you know, you know, Wildhack talked a lot about. Parents of recruits, families of recruits, being more confident they'll be able to see their kids play without having to fly to Syracuse um, in the winter. <laughs> so, you know, I, yeah, I, I think it, I think it makes a lot of sense um, for all parties. And it's just when you think about it, it was kind of silly. You know, Syracuse only played whatever it was Miami once every like seven years or, or something like that. Like it's just kind of it feels more connected. Like you're all actually in the same conference instead of kind of arbitrarily creating these two divisions. And I mean, Syracuse got such the short end of the stick, like having to play Clemson, Florida state, <laughs> Louisville, NC state, you know, every year, uh, you know, I, I think it sets up, definitely sets up better for Syracuse, but I think it makes sense for everybody involved. Yeah. I mean, it was the, the way that it was, you know, Syracuse would play Miami every six years. They would play uh-huh. in Miami every 12, which again, it, uh-huh. that didn't make a whole, whole lot of sense. Um, and I, I do think it's good for the conference. I think it's good for the fans. What about the, the three primary opponents, Steven? So we, we expected Pitt, we expected BC, and you know, Paulie and I were discussing who the third should be when this news came out about a month ago or whenever, whenever it was that they first started talking about this. Um, they landed on Florida State, and John Wildhack makes the point that you know Florida State's good because now Syracuse is getting into the state of Florida, playing in Florida three out of every four years. Uh, you know, when you factor in, you know, Miami as well, and you're playing Florida State, every, you know, every year, once home, once away. What do you make, I guess, of the, the three primary opponents? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. To me, Pitt and, Pitt and BC were kind of no-brainers. I would have been very surprised if, if they weren't two of the three. Uh, from a football perspective, I'm sure Dino wishes it could be Wake Forest, but yeah. I'm sure the ACC wants to put put games on that people will actually watch. So, it's t- it would have been tough to, to, to land those. I think Florida State makes sense, um, especially because I, I believe their athletic director said they wanted a Northeast matchup, so that 
kind of pairs it down in, in terms of if you're going to follow that, the options you're looking at. Um, the recruiting thing makes sense. I mean, Syracuse has more scholarship players from Florida on their roster than any other state, uh, partially a product of just how many good players there are in Florida and accessibility of Florida, but it, it, it makes sense. Um, and then you've kind of got an even, an even distribution of games in the Carolinas, in Georgia, um, in the Virginias. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it, it works from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, from a football standpoint, we'll, we'll kind of see what the future of Florida State holds. They've kind of been so up and down lately. Um, it could turn out to be a very a winnable game, um, or <laughs> Florida State could, could become a consistent winner again, and then you've kind of got the, the, annual, the annual really tough game um, that you've, you've gotten used to against Clemson and kind of now NC State. Um, so yeah, all in all, all in all, I think pretty good. Um, BC and Wake Forest are the only two teams Syracuse has a winning record against in the Atlantic Division history. So getting getting one of those, I think, was a must. Two is probably asking too much. All right, so that again goes into effect twenty twenty three. As for twenty twenty two, that was the other big headline that came out of John Wildhack's press conference. Uh, you know, he was asked about Dino's, uh, you know, status there. He says he's not on the hot seat. We talked to him on the show yesterday. And again, he, he talked about winning the offseason and the assistant coaches that they've added and building the foundation and the, you know, the Lally Athletic Complex and everything that they've, you know, they've put into place. They feel like they want to give this coaching staff every opportunity to succeed. Uh, so I'll ask you, do you think Dino is on the hot seat slash should be on the hot seat going into 2022? Yeah, I mean, it all depends on where you kind of draw the lines. Like, if the year is an absolute disaster, I I think it would be surprising to see him back for 2023. I also don't think the year is going to be an absolute disaster, like a 1-11, 2-10, 3-9 type season, even with how hard the schedule is. I do think they've got a handful of very, very good players. Like, the, the top of the talent on the roster is, is probably as good as it's ever been under Dino, maybe the 2018 season. Um and the staffing is great. I mean, Tony White's an up-and-coming defensive coordinator, someone who easily could have gotten picked off by a bigger Power 5 school. Uh, and, and Robert and I absolutely fell into their laps. So, you know, when you think about kind of replacement value, I understand why why things have shifted a little bit since the end of last season. Uh, I, I, will, I will say this. I've heard a lot of people, like, saying, oh, like, well, what else would John Wildhack say? You can't say your coach is on the hot seat. If you go back and listen to what he said at the end of the last football season, it was not <laughs> particularly endearing to Dino. It was like, this guy needs to win. We all want to go to a 13th game. Like, wink, wink, not nod. Like, you know, things need to get done uh, in 2022. And the, the tone changed, like, pretty substantially. He could have just said, you know, asked him the question. He could have just said, yeah, you know, I, I stand by what I said. We all support Dino. Um, but, you know, it's, it's time to win some games. Uh, and we believe in him, and you can still talk about all of that other stuff. Uh, but, you know, for him to basically come out and say, you know, there's, there's not, you don't need to make a ball. You don't need to make a ball. Uh, I, I think, you know, he, he set the table for Dino to come back after a five and seven year where, you know, they played good football for Syracuse standards and they're going against the tough slate, you know, their defensive line is really young, you know, all the kind of inherent weaknesses that this team has or maybe a 4-8 and eight season, so to me, the tone shifted more than it had to, just in terms of 
you know, you can't throw even a guy who you don't think is going to come back. You can't say they're on the hot seat because how do they <laughs> how do they coach? How do they recruit? You know, how do they do all those things that even give you a chance to be successful? I, I think he went farther than that. I think he set the table for Dino to come back in 2023, barring a really, really bad season. So, you know, the question is, you know, what, what changed then? And, and I guess I wanted to get your thoughts on that. We know that they've gone out mm-hmm. and they've, uh, they've beefed up the quarterback room, right? They've got a lot of options now at that position. Uh, they went out, we already talked about the coaching staff, and, you know, Paulie's made this point that, you know, Robert and I and Jason Beck, they don't want to come here for just one year. So do, do you think that those are the kinds of things that changed? Like they were able to attract some quality assistant coaches and maybe some assurances were made to them that if you come here, you know, this isn't just going to be a one and done, come here, we're going to build something? Yeah, I can't speak to whether assurances were made, but are you really going to do better than Robert and I and Tony White? I mean, Robert Robert and I is really good. You just had, you know, I don't know, one of the better conferences, better offensive coordinators who's led an elite game fall into your lap as a head coach who's been unable to generate a passing game, I mean, I don't know. He's really going to strip all that down and, and try again? Unless it's a total disaster, unless Gino loses the locker room and players aren't trying. And, you know, those, those, those kinds of things, obviously. Once that line's been crossed, there's no coming back. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's a nine back. I think that 99% of it, you can talk about recruiting, staffing upgrades. You can talk about bringing in a nice wide receivers coach. Bob Ligashevsky won a Super Bowl. It's like, it's about finally having a good offensive coordinator. Like, they've, they've struggled in that department since Sean Lewis left. And even then, you know, Syracuse kind of had the advantage of being new and teams were still adjusting a little bit to defending the spread. And, you know, they hadn't gone up against the Geno's offense three, four, five seasons in a row. Um, Yes, I mean I think you got that, and you got a, you've got a good quarterbacks coach. Uh, you know, you think about one of the other kind of perceived weaknesses: time management, clock management. If you think those two guys can help in that department, theoretically, your OC and quarterbacks coach should be very involved in those. Um, you're potentially plugging multiple multiple weaknesses if those hires are as good as you think. So, yeah, I mean I think those two guys are reasons. One, two, and three, why the leash gets longer. I, I'm not sure there's really anything involved to move the needle. A nice recruiting run, recruiting staffing upgrades, a couple of good assistants. Every coach nationwide sells that every year. They had a great offensive coordinator fall on their lap because a head coach decided to retire out of the blue. Yeah, and, and just like coaches don't want to come here for one year, uh, quarterbacks don't want to come here to sit. They don't want to transfer in to sit. And, you know, we okay. saw when Garrett Schrader committed, that's what he said. I'm not going there to sit. You, you know, Syracuse now has a transfer from Michigan and a transfer from Florida that's coming here, and, and, and they don't want to sit. So, so, you know, somebody's going to be disappointed. How, how do you think that that quarterback competition shakes itself out, Stephen, leading up to the opener against Louisville? Yeah, it's a really good question because the, the – I guess my kind of view on on the whole quarterback room has changed <laughs> repeatedly throughout the offseason. I mean, Justin Lamson had such a good spring. It went from being like, oh, you know, Valar's, you know, probably got a decent shot to, to be the two, to like, oh, well, you know, Lamson was really good. You know, then Lamson is out indefinitely with a knee injury. And, you know, they go and bring in Carlos Del Rio Wilson. <laughs> like, obviously, they don't expect, I mean, it seems unlikely. Based on 
based on all of this information, that they're expecting Lampson to be ready for the start of the season. So I think it's pretty open. You know, I think I think real Wilson is going to have a very real chance to, to get a spot on the two deep. Obviously, Valari took the spring to learn the system and adapt and all that. But look, if they thought he was, <laughs> he was somehow famous, he wouldn't have been splitting thirteen reps with Jacoby and Morgan, and they wouldn't have gone out and signed another transfer quarterback. So I I, I think they're going to give all three of those guys, Valari, Morgan, and real Wilson, a, a real chance early in the career. To, to be the backup. And whoever gets that backup job will then have a chance to push Garrett Schrader. I, I don't really think this is a scenario in which Schrader gets pushed by anyone at this point for the week one job, you know, unless Joe Real Wilson comes in, lights the world on fire, earns the two job, and then beats him out the week before the opener. Like, he can only give an quarterback so much information at a time. Like, he can't be taking real team reps the first couple weeks at camp because he doesn't know the offense yet. And they've got a whole offense to get ready with a new offensive coordinator, new quarterbacks coach, new wide receiver. They've got other transfers. I'm sure, you know, the offensive line, basically every camp has, has been trying multiple combinations out. Like there are so many other moving pieces. You don't have the stability to just bring this guy along in team reps. So, I mean, that's kind of how I look at it. I would be very surprised if a healthy Garrett Schrader wasn't starting week one. Uh, and, and then it's wide open, and, and them going out and getting Del Rio Wilson tells you they don't have a healthy guy who, who they love for their number two spot. Yeah. Um, all right, Stephen, last one for you. Just from a recruiting perspective, we know that they've gotten a, a couple of commitments at, at skill positions uh, this last week or so, and it seems like the common thread has been speed. Uh, what can you tell us about some of these recent additions? Yeah, they're fast. That's definitely the case. Um, Bryce Cahoon. A wide receiver from Kansas, I think six two one seventy five. So bigger guy, absolute track star. Ran a ten five seven hundred meters to win the five A state championship in Kansas. Like he's gonna, you know, assuming if he signs and gets here, like he's immediately one of the fastest straight line guys on the team. Maybe the fastest. That is that is really fast. Uh, and then Moffat Parkman, a running back from New Jersey. Uh, I believe was ten four three five forty. He was clocked out at a camp at Monmouth, and I know his coach said he was four three one unofficial. So, you know, whatever. I mean, call you know those forty times tend to vary a little bit, but if it's starting four point three, he's really fast. So, I mean, you're, they're clearly upgrading team speed. Um, I think they're two exciting guys, and you look at kind of the things that have hindered Syracuse's offense, particularly last year, not being able to be explosive. Like when you have a limited offense that can't pass the ball efficiently, you need to try and find ways to be explosive. You need guys who can win against man coverage. And they couldn't do that last year. And that's why teams were able to stack the box and say, all right, try and run your rub routes, try and run your, your two, two, off, two by two combos, try and run your, your screen game and see if you can create space. And they couldn't. So a little bit more speed, theoretically, should be helpful in that department. Obviously, a more accurate quarterback, wide receivers who can catch better and better pass protection help too. But I, I, think, I think improving team speed is a theme, uh, particularly on offense, that you're going to see under Robert and I. All right, Stephen. Uh, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on. Enjoy the fourth. And, and listen to the rest of our show. You'll learn something about Culture Club. Sounds good. Pull up the hurdle. It'll give you something to do next time you got a 
you got a, a, a little bit of downtime in the show. All right, will do. Will do. Paulie's got plenty of downtime today. Lots of interviews. Uh, Stephen Bailey uh, joining us from 24-7 Sports. We've got to take, take a time out. Sean Belby from Bayheim's Army will join us on the other side. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> We are moving up the Billboard chart with Culture Club, Steve. They're playing the great New York State Fair, and I'm super pumped for it. I'll tumble for you, number 9, 1983. Told you they were hit machines. If I'm, I tumble for you is at number 9, can you imagine what we have left? Looking forward to it. I don't know as if I've ever heard this song in my life, just so you know. Get the hell out of here. I'll tumble for you. You've never heard Jordan even knows this song. I don't know it, but it's hard. Did, did, did anybody see Billy know. Madison? Like he comes down the stairs to this. I see you every day. Yeah. Okay. Did that is Maybe I, I, I am in, on the radio in my life. I'm, in, I'm embarrassed for both of you not knowing I'll tumble for you. That is embarrassing. You should you should both go to confession. That's a little aggressive. I, I'll, you don't know I'll tumble for you? No, I guess I do. I guess I, I don't do. think you do. I guess, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, no. I, it, I'm embarrassed I so. for you. It's not, it's not on top of mind when I think of Culture Club, though. Ha. You you know, you what? say a lot of dumb things on this show. <laughs> that may have been the dumbest. I'll tumble for you, All not right. at the top of your mind. We won't, not, we won't, we won't go to the fair run. On Culture Club Day, I can see how this is going. We'll, Again, we'll go, it's a little before my time. We'll go on ice tea. They're a little before my time. We'll go on ice tea day or boys' I'm day not, Monday or TLC. I'm not as old as you, Polly. All right. Jordan, what are you doing here? I wanted to talk about shoes. Okay. Is that a problem? Nope. Especially not when it involves Syracuse men's basketball. If you watched uh, if you watched us this past season, you know Joe Girard is the team's biggest sneakerhead. So he had some of the guys, Justin Taylor, Malik Brown, Peter Carey. They did a little podcast on what sneakers they're rocking. I want to hear their thoughts, and then I want to know what sneakers you guys used to rock back in the day. Especially you, Steve. You had to hoop in them. So I know you guys have seen I'm definitely got the most shoes on the team. Uh, better than Cy, too. Uh, but, you know, what are you guys looking forward to uh, bringing out? Is there any specific shoe, any specific, like, I guess, shoe style that you like to wear? Or is there any, you guys just kind of random, or what are you thinking? What are, what are we bringing out this year to the Dome? Uh, I mean, my, my favorite is probably Kobe's. They're just so hard to get. Yeah, especially now, but they're coming yeah. back, right? Yeah, I think yeah. they're coming back. Kobe's and Kyrie's mm-hmm. probably my favorites. I agree, that's mine too. Yeah. I like KD's as well, though. KD's are comfortable, yeah. I mean, I wasn't really a Nike guy, like, going up. I was always Adidas. So. Well, welcome to the good clan. <laughs> no, I'm a Nike guy, so probably, like, KD or some Kobe's. The swoosh life. What are you, Skeet? Yeah, I mean, I haven't really got my hands on any... Uh, Kobe's, but I've like always really played in Kyrie's. I like it. Yeah, I just like how like responsive they are, like minimal. Also, got a nice pair of KD fourteens on the bus out at some point. Okay. So besides uh, Peter Carey's new nickname, uh, I'm curious. There's a lot of Kyrie's, a lot of Kobe's. Uh, Chris Joseph actually commented on it, wondering why nobody's wearing Jordans. What were you guys rocking back in the day? Steve, you go first. 
Uh, yeah, love Jordans. Um, you, you know, when you were talking sneakers, I'll be honest with you, the first thing that popped into my head, like old school sneakers, did, did you ever have the, the Reebok pumps? Oh, I had like, Poly? I had the remake of were those, like, so they didn't actually pump, but I did have them. They were like black with like coral and pink. They were, I, they were good. I had the shacks yeah. oh. with the CO2 cartridge pump. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. That was a great, that was a lot. It took a lot to get your shoes to fit, but I had a pair of those. Uh, I wore Air Force Ones, like the, the three quarters. Okay. You know, black and white. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. had, I had a pair of shell toe Adidas with the New York city skyline on the side. You were flexing back in the day. I was, I couldn't, I, ne I never had Nelly wrote a song about the Air Force Ones there, Paulie. Whoa! Whoa! Uh, Steve listening to Nelly and the St. Lunatics? Hello? Harrison Ford flew on him. Uh, I would uh, say that, and you know what? This is going to be funny, but Chuck Taylors were in everybody's wardrobe when you were when I was in high school. Those are classic. I feel like Chuck Taylors They're are the equivalent. Too. Yeah, I suppose they're the equivalent now of what people wear those Nike blazers for the high tops. Like you can wear them with anything, but they're a sneaker at heart. They're jeans for your feet. That's what I used to call them. <laughs> <laughs> I found out about your shoe right, preferences. We've got, uh, we've got Charlie Lockwood coming up uh, on the other side of the break. But first, uh, we got to tell you about an epic night of fights on the way this weekend. UFC 276 is here with two titles on the line. You can get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to win. Get $100 in free bets, win or lose. Whether it's a victory by knockout, submission, decision, you win no matter what. And with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can turn a another smaller bet into a big payday, combining multiple bets like which fighter will win, number of knockouts, and more. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code 977, bet $5 on any UFC 276 fighter to win. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's promo code 977 this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Must be 21 and over and physically present in New York. Eligibility restrictions apply. Minimum $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full details. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. Charlie Lockwood joins us next on ESPN Radio.